I'm ready. Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hi everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. For those people who are new to the show, what do we do here? Well, this show is all about helping you get your mojo working, whether it be at work, at home, in the boardroom, in the bedroom, wherever it may be. We aim each week to bring you the best of the best, people that we, we find interesting, people we think have got something to share usable practical tools that you can apply to your world and also maybe apply to your family's world or your workmates' world to help them get their mojo working. And before we start the show, in the studio to my right, the man who, let's face it, he's the glue, he holds the show together. Robbo, how you going, buddy? I'm going well. Very well. Almost ridiculously well. So that's, that's really good because we had a show with episode uh, seven with mm. Michael Smith, the nutritionist mm. dietitian, and he yep. gave you some dietary nutritional suggestions to yep. do with your Crohn's and you mm-hmm. took the 30-day challenge. So it's yep. going good? It's going really well. Um, I mean, all jokes aside about Tim Tams and stuff, I mm. I always well ate reasonably well. Yes, I treated mm. myself and all that sort of stuff, but I've tried a bit harder to uh, to tighten my diet up just to, to sort of put Michael's theories to the test. And um, I can honestly say it's working. Good on you. It's a good episode. For those people who are new and have listened to Michael's episode, Michael Smith, episode 7, uh, it's really worth going through with a pen and paper and making a lot of notes because he does give out a lot of great nutritional mm. dietitian yep. tips for helping you get your mojo working with food. Um, mate, before we get into the show, mm. uh, just a little bit of, I think the, the cool kids call a shout out, is that right? A shout out. Yeah, shout out to my pal, my, my buds. Okay, for the homies, is that cool? For my that homies, a shout out to my homies. <laughs> to my peeps. Yeah. Um, people, because we haven't been going for a long time. We're only sort of getting into our early stage of the mm. Mojo Radio well, show. We're trying to find it. We're trying to find our lane. Yeah. But um, we have got listeners all over the world. We've got um, really listeners in yeah, we've got listeners in Belgium, You're right? Canada, yeah, um, Germany, Spain. Yeah. Um, Finland, well, that'd be this, that'd be Stephen Seagull's yeah. band. Yeah, but was <laughs> so it four, four listeners over there? Is that right? <laughs> is exactly right. Um, they got a stack listen across the United Kingdom, which is yeah. great to all our friends over there. Um, yeah. But people like the Maldives, um, and wow. we got a big following in New Zealand across the ditch. Yeah. You know who that is? That's no. uh, uh, Steve Hansen and the All Blacks. Apparently, they tune in every week just for a few um, coaching tips. <laughs> on the under 11s down the there. Under 11s. You, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Keep, What's Robbo up keep to? Keep shouting out. <laughs> yeah. what, can we, what can we take from this show? Um, but we've got a listener, just one in Poland. So yeah. um, hello to our uh, Polish, well, they, as the, the Polish actually called it Poland. Um, we got listeners in Singapore, Taiwan, mm. Stacks in the States. Um, mm. We've even got some on the beach in Vanuatu, yeah. just to name a few. I, I must say, I was pretty stoked. And we're getting some lovely um, letters and feedback through the Mojo Radio Show website each week with the mm. show notes, that sort of stuff. So mm. um, I, it's, I, I don't know, it's fun, I, I just find it exciting. It's cool. It's great, isn't it? It's, mm. it's the, the, um, the wonders of this modern day and age that mm. we can talk to people all over the world. Mm. It's a lot of fun. That's no, good. Yeah, absolutely. Any news for you? Speaking of the web, yeah. a bit of news for me. I've uh, got a new website for mm. Voodoo Sound coming soon, been working on. It's been a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Well, if anyone's been to the one that's there at the moment that got hacked about six months ago. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not good. Yeah, I know. 
Anyway, it's been on the top of the to-do list. So, yeah, so it's coming soon. That's good, mate. And our show today is about um, technology. It's mm. about the web utilization and the builds on the show that I tell you what one show that did get a load of traffic it's on our on the podium for one of our best most popular shows with Matt Church about yeah. being a thought leader and we today's back, guest too. yeah we're going to do a segment called Where's Matt mm, that's right we were going to do that <laughs> this show today is about the web but one quick thing for anybody listening um if you haven't been into iTunes yet and hit the subscription button if you do that we'll deliver the show to you every Monday morning without you having to chase it. So um, I'll be driving a delivery van. Yeah, it's like an ice cream van. We, you know, each week we jump in the ice cream van and we deliver it all over the world. Um, <laughs> is, that a, is that a Mr. Whippy Jingle like in here? Sometimes Santa helps us out. <laughs> and the Easter Bunny. That's right. He's so cute and cuddly. Uh, so let's get into it, mate, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Mate, just sit back. Grab your uh, Jack Daniels, looking pretty comfortable there in your tracky deck. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Do you like the Dunlop volleys? <laughs> they are very becoming with that. Let's call them taup or off-white <laughs> or beige tracky decks you're wearing in the Dunlop volleys. Let's just call them what they are, 80s specials. Wait, it's very Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> so picture this. In 1997... The internet was just young. Spam was a luncheon meat we had and googliness just didn't matter. A guy goes out and starts a company called First Step Communications and they became one of Australia's first ever web design businesses. Today, he still runs it, he's a CEO, but he's also a cracking speaker. I've done some jobs with this guy and he really is terrific on his feet. So, Guillaume Pereira, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Um, how are you doing today? Yeah, really well, thanks, Gary. How are you going? Mate, we are, we are doing very, very well today. I, um, I read something about you, which, I, which is fantastic. In 2012, Forbes magazine named you number five in its worldwide top ten list of social media influencers in book publishing. How do you... Um, that's that's quite an honour, isn't it? How do you how do you stay on top of things personally to become an influencer like that? Yeah, that was actually it just came out of the blue, Gary. I didn't know it was going to happen. I got an email one day saying on on Monday you're going to be nominated as number five social media influence in the world. And I I asked my girlfriend, "Do you think this is real?" And she said, oh, "Hold on, let me check my email to see whether I've got one as well." <laughs> um, but no, it was true. <laughs> So, so how do you yeah, how do you that, personally that stay on top? Well, look, I think the thing is that I read a lot and consume a lot. So I read, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's so much information out there now. I, I think there's no excuse not to be on top of what you uh, what you need to know. I think the the challenge is uh, there's too much information out there. So part of that is, is filtering, and uh, I, I reckon the thing that I do probably more than most people is I am very selective about what I listen to and what I read. So I subscribe to a lot of stuff. So I will, first of all, get a whole bunch of stuff in and the stuff that I like, I'll keep and the stuff that I don't like, I'm pretty ruthless about unsubscribing. It doesn't mean it's bad stuff. It's just not relevant for me. So um, I subscribe to a lot of blogs. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of articles, but they're from the sources that have decided that are, that are going to be high value for me and for my clients. So how do you curate that? Because I, I think that's a, an interesting point. I think people have access to the information, but there's so much out there. How do you 
How, what, what's your personal rule for curating for, for Gian and, and the stuff that you see important? Yeah, look, I think there's there's three levels that you can do this, Gary. So one is I look for information for myself. That's just going to be valuable for me, um, both in my business life and my personal life. So some, some, some stuff I read and listen to because I'm interested in cricket, for example. So I always follow the Australian cricket teams so and there's some cricket podcasts that I will always download and listen to without fail and they're my top priorities. So there's personal stuff as well. Support now is that, is that supporting the Australian team or the Sri Lankan team? Let's let's get this very clear. No, no, kids. We used to have we used to have fights in my family when I was a kid. Or um, used to have my mum and dad on one side of the one side of the sofa, and my sister and I on the other side because my parents would support Sri Lanka and we would support Australia. So you yeah, know, I've always been an Aussie <laughs> cricket supporter and, and Test match cricket as well. Um, but look, just coming back to that, that, that side of it, like just being able to manage the content that I get. So some of it is personal and some of it is professional. But in the professional stuff, as I was saying, I reckon there's three levels. So one is what's relevant only for me. Second mm. is what's relevant for my clients. So some of the stuff that I read, I will share. And uh, not all of it, probably only about 20% of what I read is worth sharing or uh, I think is valuable to my network. So I'll share that. And I guess the other, the other category is what's relevant to my clients' clients. So it's looking one level mm. ahead. So some of the stuff that I share will not only be useful to you, Gary, but it'll be useful to your clients. So I always try mm. to keep in, in the back of my mind or the front of my mind, uh, what, are my, what do my clients need for their own business? And also, what do they need to know to be able to share with their networks? And I think by doing that, I become more useful than just sharing stuff that's relevant to them. Mate, that's, um, that, that's really good. And how do, you, how do you share that? Are you publicly sharing that to your followers or when you're sharing with your clients, I love that idea of your clients' clients. How are you sharing that with them? Yeah, it's actually both. So I run a membership site and that's for my clients so they can join my membership site and they pay a monthly fee. And for that, um, they get access to some material that other people don't. But I would say the vast majority of what I share, probably 80 to 90%, I share publicly. And and part of it, Gary, is uh, one is I like to look like a nice guy. Like I I like to look like (laughs) I'm somebody who's sharing valuable information freely. Um, But secondly... The other thing it does for me, it helps me manage the information overload because I, in the past, I used to get stuff and I think, oh, this would be really good in a book or this would be really good in my mm-hmm. next keynote presentation. And I'd hoard it, I'd, I'd store it and hold on to it and it would just fill up my hard drive and eventually become obsolete and I never got to use it. Whereas this way, if I share it, it's actually doing some good in the world immediately and it's like a load off my mind. And I know that if, it, if I share it on Twitter, then it's I can always go back to it and find it later. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I have this principle which I teach people, which is like use the internet as your filing system. So share stuff that's worth sharing and it's useful for you as well. It takes... It takes a bit of pressure off you to think, uh, I don't I don't worry about whether I'm going to use it later. I'm actually going to get value from it immediately. And if I get some value from it later, that's just a bonus. That's good. And do you, um, do you use any particular apps or folder system for storing stuff that you want ready access to that you know is going to be valuable to you? 
Yeah, I do. I do. And I've got I've got my system. It's not going to work for everybody, but this is this is my system. So there are two things. So one is stuff that I get and I want to read, but I don't want it to distract me right now. So I want to bookmark it for later reading. Um, so that's the first category. And the second category is stuff that I want to keep for later. So it's like that old, like I said, I used to in the old days, like store that stuff for my next book or for my, um, to put into a presentation. So for the first one, um, if, I, if something comes into my email box or read it, blog um, and I want to save that article, I try not to read it straight away. So I use yeah. a couple of apps. Uh, one's called Pocket and you can get it at getpocket.com. It's a very low-cost app and what it does is it's like a bookmarking system, but it's bookmarking in the cloud. So if I read a blog post that I'm interested in, or if I see a blog post I'm interested in, I click a little button which they save it to Pocket, which automatically puts it into my Pocket account, which makes it available on my phone or my tablet, actually both phone and yes. tablet, as well as my PC. Mm. So that then, if I'm standing in line waiting for coffee or I'm waiting for a meeting to start, I've just got a few spare five minutes, then I can pull up my phone and read, read a couple of articles. So that's the first thing. I, I try yes. not to sit, so be reading a whole bunch of stuff while sitting at my PC. Um, I think I'd rather be more productive with other things when I'm at my PC and then just use little yeah. bits, bits of time that I have elsewhere. So that's the first thing. So Pocket's a really useful app for that. It's a bookmarking system, but it's um, just like saving stuff to your favorites or your bookmarks, but it saves it in the cloud. Nice. That, that's, a, that's a beauty. And um, what are some of the trends you're seeing in social media that we should be aware of, do you think? Like what, what stuff is coming up to you that we, that we should be sort of keeping an eye on and maybe even jumping on? Yeah, look, there's there's some stuff that has been around for the last couple of years, but most people aren't taking advantage of it yet. So one of them is mobile. So everyone's got a mobile phone, everyone's got a tablet. And if you're not mobile ready and mobile friendly, then you're definitely, you've already fallen behind. Um, you're lucky in some ways because there's some industries where uh, everyone's way back, but uh, so it doesn't matter too much. There's only a few people who are getting ahead, but uh, you just need to, if you're not already, then you really need to be mobile. And by mobile, it doesn't just mean you have to have a website that works on a mobile phone. I mean, that's important, but just think about the fact that people are going to come across your business when they're out and about. So, like, if you're running any sort of retail store, Gary, I'm just, I'm just amazed at how many retail businesses or any business with shopfront, like a restaurant, how many of them don't have their address, their physical address, easily available and ideally linked to Google Maps Absolutely. on their website. So people are pulling out their phone, they're looking up something, and they can't find out how to get there. And that's just crazy. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I was speaking to some students and consulting for some real estate uh, in the real estate industry, Gary, with a real estate group, and we were talking mm. about this whole idea of what's, hap- what's going to happen with your customers being mobile. And there are a lot of real estate agencies now. Their websites have those 3D walkthroughs, which are fantastic. You can actually do a virtual mm. walk of a, a tour of a property online. But very few of them are on the big signs that they put out outside homes that are for sale. Very few of them have a QR code. And the QR code just yeah. means that people can pull out their phone, snap it, and then go to the listing directly on realestate.com or domain.com or on the agent's website to find out more information. Um, and it's just such a simple thing to do. It takes you five minutes to do that, stick it in the sign, and you're way ahead of 90 95% of people in the industry. And that's just one simple example, but there's a whole bunch of stuff like that where if you just keep in mind that people are mobile and people are going to have their phone on them all the time, you just think mm. of opportunities. It's a very good point. You know, I um, read a story last week on Australia Post who are now really struggling because people are not sending letters anymore. 
and the parcel part is going really well, but the letter part is really suffering. And I had cause to send off a dozen, uh, you know, postcard notes last week of thank you to people. And I reckon 80% of the people that I wanted to send an old school snail mail card, handwritten card to, I couldn't find their address. And to your point, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big issue for Australia Post. It's not the fact that we're sending less letters. It's just even if you want to, you can't, you can't find an address to send it to. Yeah, that's right. And, and the other thing that, that's related to that, Gary, it's a little bit more subtle, is uh, another reason for having your address on your website and all, on all your online properties is that people want to know what time zone you're in. Mm. So if you have a Sydney address, then I know that at the moment I'm, I'm in Perth, there's a three-hour time difference. And I need to know that. In a, in a much more connected world, it's those sort of time zone differences are so much more important now. And you can't just assume that people are going to know exactly where you're located. And I see so many people with websites without an address or even their email, they say, can I call you at 2 p.m. and without specifying where they are um, yeah. in the country, let alone in the world. Yeah, that's there. I mean, we, we sort of take those things for granted, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, just sort of backing off that, um, when I saw you speak last, um, terrific presentation, you spoke about today the world being flat, fast and free. Can you just explain to the listeners what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so fast, flat, and free is what's happened to the world. So that kind of describes what we're, what we're facing now compared to the old world. So um, if you look at if you look at those two things, so fast is obviously the world's got a lot faster, and it's because we've become digital rather than analog. So it's interesting, Gary. You were talking about Australia Post, where previously, mm. if you wanted something, it was sent to you, and it took some time for it to get. Huge, but it's just something physical, whether it was Australia Post or a courier or some super fast uh, messaging system, it had to get to you physically, so it took some time. But in the digital world, we don't need that. We can get stuff instantly. I'm still amazed that I sit at my computer, I do a Google search, click, and um, I see some information on a website somewhere around the world. Or I go to my Amazon and buy an, a Kindle ebook and it's available on my computer within minutes, uh, on my Kindle within minutes. So the world got a lot yeah. faster. And the second thing that's happened is that things that used to cost a lot now cost a lot less and they're sometimes even free. So things that, again, because we've got a physical world, rather than, because we've gone from the physical world to the digital world, we've gone from atoms to bits. So atoms cost money to put together and to, and you can't just replicate them, you can't just duplicate them. But because bits are digital, um, they're free. So you can buy a song on iTunes for a dollar instead of having to buy um, the whole CD. So in the past, you had yeah, to buy the whole yep. CD because it yep. didn't make sense for them to produce CD singles. I mean, they did a little bit, but not really. Um, and the third thing, I think the third thing is the one that's had the biggest impact, Gary. It's the, the, world, the world is flat. So what I mean by that is uh, we've broken down all the hierarchies and all the barriers that there used to be. So we've gone from a control world to a power world. So you can think about that in, in a number of ways. So anyone can create a YouTube channel and become you know, have, have millions of followers. And in the past, you couldn't do that. You had to um, you had to get on TV because TV used to have all the control to get visual information out to the masses. But that's just not the case mm. anymore. So there are people who get millions and millions, hundreds of millions of views on YouTube, um, and they're just ordinary people. And they don't have to go through those traditional channels. You don't have to go through newspapers now to publish your opinions or the news. Uh, you can publish a blog. Mm. Uh, you don't. If you're an employee, you don't respect that whole 
that hierarchical structure anymore. You don't respect somebody just because they've got a corner office or a better job title or gray hair. You just don't. You just like you know that mm. there are smart people out there and you might be one of them. And so that whole hierarchy, that whole idea of control has disappeared. And I think that's the biggest impact that we've had. So fast and flat, definitely, and that's pretty obvious. Um, sorry, fast and free, but certainly flat, mm. that we've flattened the whole the whole control and all the hierarchies. And we, we spoke to, um, Robbo and I spoke to Matt Church recently, and he talked about obviously being a thought leader. And I know you've spoken at thought leaders. Um, if I wanted to be an influential voice and I wanted to be a thought leader, with that flat piece in mind, what step would I take immediately to capitalise on that trend of flat to be a thought leader or influencer? Yeah, look, that's a good question. And I reckon the simplest thing you could do, well, I reckon the first thing you should do is think a lot more. And I know it's a bit of a bit of a flippant response, but if you really want to be a thought leader, you've got to do a lot of thinking, right? And and mm. Matt Church is absolutely the master at helping you figure out what your unique expertise is. Um, but yeah. that takes a little bit of time. It doesn't take a huge amount of time, but it takes a little bit of time. I reckon if you want to get it started, do something that you, you actually mentioned the magic word earlier, Gary, which is curate. So take mm. other people's material and share it. Um, mm. So become a learner. So definitely I think that anyone who wants to be a thought leader or an influencer has to be a learner and a lifelong learner. But don't just take the stuff in for your own benefit. Uh, also share it. So if you're using something like Pocket, you bookmark stuff, and then when you read it on your phone, you click a button to share it on social media. And by doing that, you start off by building off and you start building your influence platform. So even if it's not your original thoughts first, you can certainly start learning and then sharing what you learn that's relevant to your to your network immediately. And I think that's the first way to be an influencer. Um, I don't think you can become a cult leader purely by curating, but it's a really good way to get started. Mm, there's gold in them, there hills. That's gold. gold. That's re- really, really good advice, mate. Um, I was listening or reading something of yours uh, last week and you spoke of how the internet has changed teams. Can you explain, if we've got someone listening who is in control of a team or in fact overseeing a company with lots of teams, um, how has it changed it and what's something that the team leaders could do immediately to capitalise on this um, this world we have right now, the internet? Yeah, okay. And I, I tell people, Gary, that there's an I in team. You know, we used to say there's no I in team and your team's all about working together as a group, but I reckon yeah. it's the exact opposite now. There's an I in team and you've got to find the I in your team. So in practical terms, I think that, that means two things. So as a leader, as a team leader, I reckon the two things you should look at. So the first is look at your teams and look at the people in your team as individuals rather than look at the team. So think about it this way. So instead of going um, we, it's not we anymore, it's you and me. So it's, uh, if I'm the leader, it's how I work with Gary, uh, how I work with Robbo, how I work with Matt Church, how I work with Jane. So it's those individual relationships are just as important as working together as a team because there are mm. smart, talented, innovative, um, incredible people in your team and they'd love to engage with you uh, and they'd love to engage with the organization if you just give them the chance to do that. Uh, and you can't do that by saying, okay, you're just a member of a team and you're just like everybody else. Um, yeah. Even if it's a high-performing team and a really great team doing great things, people want to be recognized for their individuality and what they bring to the table and what they bring to the team. And again, it's something that 
um, in the past, that wasn't so important. You, you hear about that lone innovator who creates something magic. But now we're all magical innovators, or the potential to be. It's just a case of tapping into that. So I think that's the first thing you can do as a team leader. Look at the individuals who are in your team and look at them as individuals and figure out what skills and talents can they bring as individuals, um, as well as what they can do as part of the team. And the second thing I reckon we can do is, and this comes back to your point about the world being flat, Gary, is the second thing that we can do is look beyond your team, your current team, to see who do we need, who we can, who we can bring in to achieve our objectives. So teams aren't necessarily fixed anymore. They used to be because it just used to be the team used to be whoever you had in the office because everything was in the office. Uh, you had the files mm-hmm. there, you had the secretarial support there, you had uh, the team cohesion was built in the office. But now that you've got the chance to have distributed teams and fluid teams where you just bring people in from anywhere around the world, uh, you bring somebody in with the right skill set for a particular project and you bring this band of people together and then at the end of it, they disperse and go off and do their own thing. It doesn't mean they all do, so you might have a core group of people who are always working with you, but just don't feel that your team has to be only the people that you've got with you. You've got a whole world, literally, to tap into when you're putting a team together. Gee, that's such a um, such an interesting point. Yeah, I, I, I love that, that Teams aren't fixed, and I reckon that's a, um, especially for small to medium-sized business who perhaps don't outsource and don't think outside their own team. That's a really interesting perspective, isn't it, that teams aren't fixed anymore the same way that the workforce is changing, the style of workforce, people's lifestyles, how it impacts with work. Um, balance is changing, but that's um, that's gold. I think that's really interesting for anyone listening to think about their team and what they need in their team, but it not necessarily has to come from within the team, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Gary, and it, it, this applies to everybody, and you're, you're absolutely right. For, for small and medium businesses, uh, some of those things can actually be easier. So once you open your mind to the idea of things like outsourcing mm. or crowdsourcing, then it's easy because you just you don't have to go through layers of hierarchy to get that approved. But even for larger organizations, that applies. And uh, I was speaking a couple of weeks ago in Queensland to the Local Government Managers Association in Queensland. So these are people who work in local government, and we were talking about some of these ideas and even they and you think the government is sometimes a bit slow and not very progressive but even they are thinking about how can we tap into the world's intelligence to help us serve our local communities and doesn't have to be only the people who are sitting in the um, in the council offices hey robo this is going to be something for you mate uh, here in the studio working by yourself and your tracky dacks and your dunlop volleys mate uh teams aren't fixed anymore it's not just you on your own that he's sitting here in the dark <laughs> No, I've always got you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you are in trouble, my friend. Uh, can, um, oh, I feel a bit like that. Right? Like, choose the crowd. Yeah, it's a bit of a love fest. <laughs> get, a, get a room. Um, mate, you've built a fantastic personal brand. Can you, um, and you've had a great journey, could you just think about what's been the most successful thing you've done for your own personal brand to get you to where you are today? Okay, I reckon my personal brand, the biggest thing I've done is blogging. So blogging, mm. you know, it doesn't have to, like blogging is creating 
Um, it's, a, it's a place where you can share your, your expertise, your ideas, your insights, your thinking, uh, even some of the curation that you do, you can publish in a, in a blog, po- in blog post. Um, and I think blogging, I think people really underestimate the value of a blog. Um, mm. Because a blog is the one place, uh, it's one place where you can have, it's a, it's a property that you own, so you're not publishing on Twitter and Facebook, which are owned by other people and other companies. Um, it's your own space. You can decide what goes on there. You can decide um, what you publish and what you choose not to publish. You can um, invite people to comment on it, but then you can decide how you're going to manage those comments. And it's just a place where you can churn out your ideas uh, and get people to get, get people to follow you on the blog. I think it's a big thing, and uh, I, I reckon if. Uh, if I was to think about, Gary, the, the biggest thing that's uh, addressed my personal brand and enhanced it, I reckon that would be it. Uh, coming back to cricket, which I always do, uh, I remember <laughs> way before there was such a thing as a blog. Um, I remember it was an Australian tour of the West Indies in the na- late 90s. I think it was 1999. Steve Water could team to the West Indies. And the web was young. So I started my web design business, but it wasn't... It wasn't and anywhere near the stage, uh, in terms of the web in general, where people could create their own website. So I remember creating this website, which was, all I did was work up early every morning, found every newspaper around the world that was talking about cricket, and created a page, which was just like a blog post with links to all the articles, all the headlines. And I had all these people following me because they, they could come to this one place and they could find out what this, um, all the news about what happened uh, in the West Indies overnight um, in the cricket. And I did this for the whole series. I didn't lose any money. I didn't have any Google advertising. There wasn't even a Google mm. at that time. I just did passionate about it. And at the time, I didn't really think about building my business brand. But I think that same principle, find something that you're passionate about. And we're talking here about in business, what's your thought leadership about? And what do you want to be an influencer in? Um, and then blog about that and just do it. So here's one, uh, here's one for us, Robbo, um, here in the studio. So we think about voodoo sound or my own personal stuff. We've We've talked about the blogging, which I think is uh, which is gold. Um, we've talked about going mobile, which I think absolutely is critical, and I couldn't agree with you more that some of the fundamental stuff we take for granted is not being done until you step away from it and order it. Um, with those things in mind, is there any other um, absolute critical things that somebody listening should – is there a question they should ask of themselves for their website? Because everybody's got to – it's the go-to place. Like if I'm going to meet you for the first time or – I meet you and want to know more about you. I'm going to Google, Google you and look for your website. Apart from the things we've talked about, Gian, is there anything else that you would recommend someone ask themselves or do immediately for their website, given the fact that you guys are experts in that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, there is, I think. And I think the key thing to figure out with your website is what do you want people to do before they leave your site? Okay, so mm. people put a lot of time and effort into what goes on the website itself, but everything that you do on your website has to be focused on answering that question. So what do you want people to do? Do you want them to pick up the phone? Do you want them to find your address so that they can turn up? Do you want them to make a booking for um, a speaking engagement? Do you want them to buy something uh, directly, paying pay by credit card? Do you want them to fill in the form? Do you want them to just sign up to your mailing list so that you can build up your subscription database? So figure out what do you want people to do? What's the last thing that you want people to do before they leave your website? And then have a look at your website and your ideal site visitor and figure out and and just be honest with yourself and ask yourself, is my website really helping them achieve that last thing that I want them to do? 
So figure out what you actually want them to do and then make sure that your website has a path to lead them there right from the homepage. Yes, mm. good. Rob, I wish you'd do that. Well, we, we have to do that, right, don't we? We do, and a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, and it doesn't only have to be one thing, by the way. So you might have different people who you want to come to your site. So like my site, I want people to book me as a conference speaker, or at least pick up the phone and call me about speaking at a conference. Um, there'll be some people who will join my membership site, and some will join without um, contacting me at all. Um, some people will want to do some mentoring. Some people will buy a book. So I might have different paths through the site mm. with different actions that I want people to take. Mm. But I've really got to ask myself, if you come to my homepage, can you then click the right buttons from there to get to one of those actions? Mm. Here's an interesting one for you then. My website, and I use it probably because it's the best example. Actually, I've just finished doing mine, my new one. Um, well, I didn't, but a mate of mine did. Um, I'm selling myself, but people come to me for different reasons. People come to me because they may want a TV show. They want the audio done. Some people may come to me because they want some imaging done for their radio station. Some people may come to me because they want to record an audio blog. Um, how do you manage that all packaged up into one, one site? Yeah, what you do is on the homepage, so you identify your ideal target site visitors. Mm-hmm. And this, when I say identify an ideal site visitor, it's a, it's a certain person with a particular problem. So in that case, it might be an entrepreneur who wants to start an audio blog. It might be, who else would there be, Robert? So give me another example of an ideal site visitor. There might be a program director from a radio station who wants some, some stuff recorded for his radio station. Yep. So how many of those do you reckon you've got? Five, six? Six, seven. Yep. Yeah, okay. So what you'd have on your site, on the homepage of the site, is basically, I mean, uh, you can do this in a much more attractive way, but let's say you had seven little boxes mm. that say, are you an entrepreneur who mm. wants to start an audio blog? Mm. If so, we can help you with this, click here. Mm. And that takes into the page that mm. describes its service. Mm. And you do that for each one of them. So the idea of the homepage is to get them off the homepage and into the right path. So you can have multiple paths through your site, but in each one of them, you have a very clear what to do next. So it might take four or five steps in each path, but each one, at the end of each one, they should, they should know what button to click next. And do you think people will sit around and click through pages? Because one thing that I was told when I was doing this process a couple of months ago was you don't want people to have to make a whole bunch of clicks. But my thought would be, if there's a reason for me to click, I'll click. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, no one's going to click through all seven paths mm. because they're, they're different people. No, so they're only going to right. click through one. And what you want to do is think, think um, we haven't got time to go into the whole process of the psychology of what path you want to take them. Mm. But the, you basically want to say, you know, you, you know what their problem is and you've got to give them enough information to prove to them that you can solve the problem for them, mm. but no more than that. Mm. And sometimes that's one click because they might be ready. So like a conference organizer who's looking for a speaker um, might be coming to your website, Gary, or coming to mine, and they know mm. they want to book a speaker. So they, they just want to know mm. what are the topics. Maybe they want to watch a video of us in action, or maybe they've seen us in action, so they just want to get straight to all the details. So they don't need to know a lot of information. On the other hand, someone who's going to you know, buy my mentoring, they may need to have a number of three or four steps to be convinced that I've got the solution for them, and then they'll get in touch with me. So it's designing those without too much information, but give them enough information that they're not going to just click the back button. Mm. That's a fine line, isn't it? Hey, Robert, let's do well, let's do rapid fire. Rapid fire mojo. So, Gian, what's your uh, favourite app? 
I'm very flat at the moment. It's a Fitbit app because I've got a Fitbit and I want a bit of a uh, got a bit of a health goal at the moment. So that's my favourite app at the moment. What is this Fitbit thing? My my wife wants one of these for her for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. My partner Nikki got one for me for my birthday recently. Uh, it's just it's a little like a it's, it's a little pedometer that that clips to my uh, to my belt. Um, you can also get them like wristbands, and they measure steps and heart heart rate and how you sleep and all that sort of stuff. And right. uh, and yeah, and then that that goes along with that so you can measure um, you can tell you what you're eating as well so keep control of all those sort of things no they're really good Robert and what it does yeah it, it just makes you it brings to your it brings to your conscious mind the fact that you've got a number to hit each day um, mm. I think I think whatever form you get I've got the up band which um, is another version of it but gee the whole principle of this I think is fantastic so um, what's your favourite blog at the moment um, oh, I read a lot of blogs, and I reckon one that I really like is a site called Springwise. So springwise.com. Um, it talks yep. about innovations from all around the world. They just tell stories of people doing interesting stuff, um, of, and just ordinary people who've created apps, or there may be governments who've created um, apps to help people communicate with them better. So yeah, you get five ideas a day, I think. Beauty. Do you have a... Um do you have a morning ritual that you go through or a ritual during the day that uh, you have a set ritual that allows you to do what you do so well? Um, one of the things I like to do is exercise every morning. So I try to exercise most days and uh, I try to get that done in the morning. It just gets my day off to a great start if I'm riding my bike or go to the gym or climb up and down stairs. There's a beautiful place in Kings Park where you can do that uh, here in Perth. So yeah, exercise in the morning is probably the one thing that uh, I do almost every day. Kings Park, what a beautiful spot. Yeah. I love Kings Park. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful and there's this place called Jacob's Ladder which has got mm-hmm. 244 steps mm-hmm. uh, and so if you get this... I lived in Subiaco for uh, for twelve months when I worked for the Triple M network for a while. So I'm just on Barker oh, Road, yeah, actually. Fantastic. Yeah, a couple of blocks away from yeah. the uh, from Subiaco Oval. Don't try and convince me that you've done those steps. You looked at them, <laughs> didn't you? You didn't walk them. I took some photos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got a video of other people doing it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Guillaume, what's your best? productivity tip for people because you seem to get through a lot of stuff in your day yet you seem to always be chilled and on top of things and you're a thoughtful guy what's your best productivity tip for us yeah look one of the things i learned from stephen covey so this is way back the seven habits of highly effective people when i read that book one of the things that i took away one of the many things i took away was he said plan your instead of planning every day plan a week plan your goals for the week because mm. sometimes, you know, things get on top of you in the day or interruptions come along. But if you've got your weekly plan set aside, then you know you know what you want to achieve in the week. So I've got my weekly plan. And, and sure, I, I figure out what I've got to do each day. But if something gets gets in the way and something has to get bumped off to another later day in the week, that's all right. So plan weekly rather than daily. That is very good. Um, let's get inside the mind of the man himself. Um, what's your favorite piece of music to get your mojo working? Okay, well, I think this is showing my age, but I reckon Ice House's song "Crazy." <laughs> That's really showing my age, isn't it? Yeah. 
that's the thing that used to get me going. I remember particularly when I was first on first playing tennis, which I played very casually, and that was the one thing I used to sing to myself on court, um, and wow. that really got me going. And I realised that works for me all the time. Now it would be <laughs> remiss of us, mate, not to uh, to talk cricket before we go. Who's your favourite batsman? Oh, I reckon recently Mike Hussey. I know he just recently retired, but uh, maybe because he's West Australian. Uh, but I really like I like the style and I like the fact that he could play all three forms of the game and he could play all three of them really well, which is rare. <laughs> Good call. And uh, think back, who would be your favourite bowler of all time? I think Richard Hadley is somebody who's yeah. really to be admired because he kind of carried the New Zealand team of the time, the 80s, 90s, early 90s, I guess. Uh, he was a guy who was really like a standout performer in that team. And I've got a lot of respect for the Kiwis. I think they've done really, really amazingly well. But he was really the standout performer in that team. So I, I'd go for Hadley because he, he did amazingly well without necessarily a lot of support and pressure at the other end. Um, so he was almost like a one-man team. It's a good call. Good call, my friend. Yes, I like that. Well, mate, um, we just thank you so much for uh, for sharing all your knowledge and sharing time with us today. Where um, I know there were people who want to follow you up for speaking gigs and to learn more about you, get onto your blog. Where where can we find you? What's the best um, best way to track you down? Yep, I mean the best place is gihanperera dot com. So it's G I H A N. P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. And, and yes, I do have my address, my phone number, email, all contact details there. So <laughs> that's the best place to find out everything about my life. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, and I would say for anybody listening, uh, do yourself a favour. In the words of the great uh, Molly Meldrum, go in, check out Gihan's stuff because um, there's some really good videos and stuff that I've saw on your website and on YouTube and, and it's, uh, there's gold in lots of them, their hills. Mate, thank you so much for uh, taking time to share with, with, uh, with Robbo and I. We really uh, good to catch up. Good to hear you. Thanks for your wisdom, buddy. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. It's really a pleasure to be there. The Mojo Radio Show. Wow, that was another good show. That was a very because we, have, we haven't done anything on sort of technology in the web specifically, have we? No, we haven't. And um, and I I'm, I'm not sure whether it's just because I'm in the um, the web designing frame of mind as well, but I also got a lot out of that for uh, make a few changes to the site before it goes up too. Yeah, I think that's going to be very good for uh, for all of us to be honest. And the Mojo Radio Show uh, website, so it's very good. Can mm. you um? Can I, to finish out the show, can I put in a, uh, a musical request? Sure. Can you, um, can you play this? I actually, I, I did bring an MP3. Just play this. Oh, did, you did. <laughs> it's the iPod classic, but he still brought it with him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an MP3, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. It is. All right, hang on. What am I, what, what am I going to? This one here. All right, let me dial it up. Paperback Bit of the Beatles frame of mind this afternoon, are we, Bert Whistle? And it's a segue. Do you like that? There's a, seg- a segue. <gasps> you had a plan as well. I My God. <laughs> this whole radio thing's starting to work for you, isn't it? <laughs> I always wanted to be an announcer. <laughs> a loose one, but an announcer. Um, but the reason I played it, just to finish off the show, just one thing. I wrote a, a blog post in the Espresso newspaper, um, I think last week, the week before. And I had the, and the title of it was called Is Paper Back? And it's a theory I've got. Mm. that I think that journaling and physically taking notes now with a pen or paper is back again. It's making a comeback. Mm. Because for my birthday, my wife gave me what they call a Midori journal. Now, these things got their own subculture. They are so cool. Does it come with a cocktail? (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a green colour and it's kind of sticky. Anyway, um, we digress. But it's a yeah. um, it's a Japanese-based journaling system and it's made up of little notebooks that you hang together with a kind of a string that sits yeah. inside this leather pouch. And I use it mm. to carry with me because I'm always taking notes I'm seeing something on a bus or a plane or I'm sitting in a session and I hear somebody say, I'm always jotting stuff down. Mm. And if you jot it onto a piece of paper and you promise yourself mm. you will use it, invariably we don't. And mm. because the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imaginary, when you just write something on a scrap piece of paper, you're literally mm. saying my ideas aren't worth more than just a scrap piece of paper. So this was the present. So I just got online, looked at, you know, this Midori thing, and there are YouTube and Vimeo clips. It's so deep um, mm. of journaling. And I also got given a Luchtern journal, which is beautiful. And it's a hard, it's a bit like a moleskin, only a different sort of design element. Right. My reason for bringing it up is that quite often people go to see a speaker or a meeting or a training session or a conference, they walk in with nothing in their hands. Mm. Mm. And science has shown that only one in 10 people can hear something and remember it past their next cup of coffee. The rest of us need to see pictures and physically do something and either doodles and drawings and so on. Mm. I think paper is back. And any successful entrepreneur, any successful businessman, Mm. anyone who actually is progressive and doing things and unlocking ideas has got a journal and a pen or pencil and taking notes. Not just in meetings, though, surely. Because, I mean, no, from my really. personal experience, I actually have a, a, a f- my coaching folder sits next to the console here because I actually find while I'm not concentrating on creative stuff but just doing mechanical stuff while I'm editing and stuff like that, things will occur to me for rugby, you know. Like I'll, I'll think about something that's happened on Sunday last week and, and, and I'll come up with a move or a, something that we can use mm. around that. Um, and, and I also do have a notebook that sits here um, which has dividers in it, you know, broken up to my clients. The Mojo Show has its own page and as things occur to me, I'll scribble them in there as well. So mm. probably not journaling as you do it, but um, I certainly no, have always principle. found paper handy. No, it's the same principle, mate. It's, um, it's no matter what you're doing. I, I just find now I've always been a journal journal writer. I've had the I've got journals all over the place. and. Mm. Um, but some people want to do it digitally. You can do it through Evernote or I saw a very cool app last week called Notify, which was very, very mm. good for note-taking. Um, mm. So there's all sorts of different apps and, and philosophies you can use as long as you're recording stuff. But I just find having pen and paper or pencil and paper, um, mm. it just having a really nice leather-bound journal or something, it just makes you want to write. It makes you want to capture and and just get stuff down. And Josh Pike, the famous singer-songwriter, said that, the other nice thing about journaling, whether it be for rugby or a song or a recipe or a, a quote to use in a presentation that's coming up, is it, it just gives you a record of what you were thinking at a certain time of your life, like something to look back mm. on. Mm. And, uh, in fact, I, I, what, we, what we will do is I know a guy who is absolutely across the science behind this, a guy called Glenn Capelli. And he mm. teaches around the world in a corporate and an education sense and shows people how colour and journaling and writing mm. is powerful for the creative process. And he is the master. Um, mm. I will get on to Cap and we'll get him on the show and we'll, we'll explore this, this topic a bit more. Okay. Do it. While you're speaking of apps, just quickly, you've just reminded me, um, 
Last week's show, Dr. Adam Fraser, we talked about um, 15 minute meditation. Yes. I've, um, I've just last night downloaded the app that we spoke about and the name has gone, has gone straight out of my head. So maybe Take a break. pop it in the show notes. Take a break. 15 minute meditation. So I'm actually going to give that a whirl this week. So maybe next week I might check in and um, give everyone an idea of how 15 minute meditation works because that was intriguing to me. Yes, very good idea. And I would say that the vast majority of successful people who have their mojo working uh, meditate in one way or another. So look forward to your report. Okay. Well, we, um, are we out? We're out. Enough said. See you next week. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.